Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1996's Swingers, directed by Doug Lyman, starring Jon Favreau and Vince Vaughn. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I've been on a kick lately where I've been taking in a lot of erotic thrillers from the 90s. Can't go wrong. Dude, it's the best. Man, what a genre. (laughs) Uh, And I watched Presumed Innocent. Okay, there you Uh, go. Man, you know, like this movie had gotten by me when I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old. Uh I saw it was streaming. I was like, let's check out Presumed Innocent. This has been sitting there on a shelf, you know, like for all this time. And I'm glad I did because it was just as sexy and exciting as I thought it was going to be. What year did that come out? 1990. 90? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was like almost peak sexy thriller time. I mean, it's shot on film. There's just like rain everywhere. It's just, it's goddamn phenomenal. And it just washes over you. Yeah. It's sweaty, wet, grainy. Man, man, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I couldn't get enough. Was it exciting too? Yes, the thriller part yes, was good. Of course, it's it, it's a it's a gripping mystery. And I look, I know that the sexual politics are all fucked up. But, yeah, right. You know, I'm yeah. sorry. I I, <laughs> I know that's the bargain you enter into with erotic thrillers. So oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. There, there's two different distinct things in that <laughs> yes, genre. Exactly. So. <laughs> Cool, man. That's awesome. Yep. I I've been wanting to go back and check out some more of those. Oh, yeah. uh, lately. Yeah. So, might have to indulge myself. Nice. Um, I caught Alex Garland's latest film, Men, from 2022. Have you seen that yet? I have not seen Men. Okay. Yet. So it's his latest movie. Basically, it's about a woman who's played by Jesse Buckley, and she's great. Um, so she's trying to cope with the end of an abusive marriage she was in. And dealing with the fallout of that and trying to get over it. So she goes to like an Airbnb in the English countryside to like get away, figure out who she is now and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Right. Get over the trauma, all that. Um, and she ends up meeting like men around town and they're all just as ab- abusive as her husband was. And right. In various different ways, manifesting differently from each c- character she meets. It's a lot more grounded than like his last movies. They're all sci-fi, like yes. Annihilation and ex machina which yeah we need to do that on the show yeah um but i mean it sounds good but i really wasn't too keen on it okay it's not bad i felt like it was a little dull in moments but it's definitely got great atmosphere and there's definitely some uh chills and stuff that you yeah. get in the scenes and you get uncomfortable with the situation she's in it's kind of like psychological horror but it's almost up its own ass a little bit too <laughs> right. so i mean if you like those kind of movies like it's good but it gets it goes into some really weird territory too yeah. like really surreal stuff it uh it's got some disturbing like body horror in it Ooh. that i didn't expect tons of allegory that you don't know what the fuck they're talking about like so if you like these weird cryptic psychological surreal things you, you probably like it well i already wanted to see it and now you've sold me on all the aspects you've talked about like <laughs> there because i love all those things and yeah i also love jesse buckley Jesse Buckley's um, phenomenal. She's a great, great actor. Um, yeah. And, you know, see our Oscars episode on uh, Women Talking, where we talk, where I talked about how, like, yes. that was actually a She was my favorite in that. Yeah, she was awesome And, in uh, I mean, she's great in The Lost Daughter. Yeah, and, um, yeah. And she was nominated for that movie, actually. Right. Jesse Buckley's awesome. I'll watch anything she does. Yep. But, yeah, it's Alex Garland, but it's not the same as what he's been known for. Right. It he's, does it, tread into that weird psychological territory, but it's not the same as his last few movies. Well, so. it, it, it sounds like it's almost like kind of in that genre of elevated horror that, you know, like in the last 10 years or so. Like yes. That. And I know a lot of people don't like that term. Um, right. And even the filmmakers themselves, like, kind of distance themselves from it. But there's no other way to, to say it. I mean, it's just, it's a horror 
movies that are in the horror genre that are actually trying to like impart ideas. Right. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about a different type of film. Yeah. Swingers, Dave. Sure. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? You got it. Um, so this film follows the lives of several guys in Los Angeles trying to become actors who also have a sometimes enviable and sometimes exhausting looking nightlife. Um, <laughs> it's also widely regarded as a classic of American independent cinema of the 1990s, which puts it in a time and place. So let's dive in. Yes. I love how you called it exhausting also. <laughs> yes. Because there's two <laughs> views that they ha- that go on throughout this these nightlife adventures they have. Right. There's the ones where they're uh, having the great time, and then there's the other ones where it's kind of miserable. Yeah. I love it. I mean, there, there's the, the <laughs> moment like uh, halfway through the movie where... Uh, after Mikey, you know, is sad in his apartment and there's yeah. a message from Trent on the, on the answering machine. Like he's saying, you know, okay, look, listen, listen, buddy, we're going to yeah. be out at, uh, we might be down at the Dresden. Uh, we also might be over at, uh, so-and-so for the big bad voodoo daddy. And if we're not there, we'll be at, uh, Sue's house playing hockey. And, yeah. uh, otherwise we'll be over at the, so- and he yeah. mentions like seven yeah. places. Yeah. He's like, all right, see you there. See you later, yes, gorgeous. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be at the Brown Derby for Sinatra night. Exactly. Yeah, just, he yes. names five places. We'll be here or here and, or here. And those are tonight's plans. <laughs> and he wants Mikey to be there. Like, where are you going to be? This is before cell phones. Yes. There was no texting. Somebody say where you're at. Right. Yeah. I mean, you. Uh, this. Yeah. Somebody's got to make up their mind and it, tell us. Tell me where we're going. And do so we have funny. a reservation? Yeah. So this this definitely is. It's an, it definitely feels like mid nineties independent cinema. Yes. Like just the look and the feel of it. It feels kind of low budget, but nothing about it. Like feels bad because of that though. Like no. it's well made. Yeah. It's well acted. It's shot very well. This is ex- kind of exactly where I want to be as far as like, you know, just yes. like feeling comfortable and, and knowing that like I, I said, it puts it in a time and place and that's for good and bad, obviously. Yeah. Um, filmmaking wise, I love this style. I love the I love the cinematography. I love that stuff yeah. is shot on expensive film for cheap. Like as as cheap as you can yeah. get, but like still it's like light hitting a surface, light hitting actors. Yeah. And you can tell. Um and geez, uh the, the it's the, the the really uncomfortable aspects of this movie for me come in the opening of the film where you see the Miramax logo. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, that used to be a source of comfort for me. I, okay. I, I, I think I even said it on one of our previous episodes, but like it was before the Harvey Weinstein thing happened. I said, Oh man, the Miramax logo, let's yeah. drop in. Now you can't do that anymore because Harvey Weinstein, like no. the, 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 the specter of Harvey Weinstein, the shadow of him like is over everything that had that. Uh, uh, did he have his fingers in this production? I mean, Miramax was his studio. Yeah, I know. And, and but, he was, unlike other yeah. studio heads, he was like, he was never on the creative side exactly, but yeah. he was very hands-on. I feel like there was, yeah, hands-on is right, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah that's saying. an unfortunate yeah. double entendre um, I just made. No, but, but I know. feel like there's an aspect of this movie he probably really related to. Oh, the, uh, yes, The, the predatory indeed. nature Naturally. of some of these characters. Yeah, I mean, it was greenlit probably because, oh yeah, I like going out and doing yeah, that shit too. Let's find these, like these babies, these that's, beautiful babies, right, man. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, so, obviously, everybody harvey weinstein is not it's just it's just the thing i what what i know a that's lot about outside his, this movie exactly definitely and I, i've just read too much about his case and i read like you know blo- <laughs> like just so much of the stuff he actually did um so much of the of the harassment and and just actual rape so and assault 
So can you watch the movie though and yes. enjoy it still? Yes, I can. Yes. Okay, I, I can. I just wanted right. to put that out there because I think it's important to note that uh, a Miramax production is going to have that veneer on it. Yes, 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 yes. That's true. Okay, so I said enjoy it. I don't know if you enjoy it. I'm guessing you do. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. I, for okay. the most part, I enjoy it. There are certain aspects that have not aged well, but we'll get to There's it. a couple, yeah. yeah. And you mentioned earlier, you said the word comfort, which really... Th- this movie, Dave, I don't know if you knew this. This is in like my top five comfort movies. Like, oh, yeah, I am nice. at home okay. watching this. Perfect. I know every line. Okay. I know every scene. <laughs> I've watched it probably 50 times. Nice, dude. I love this movie. Nice. Even Vince Vaughn. I, he's so good in this. <laughs> he's so good, on, good in this. And it's Vince Vaughn doing Vince Vaughn before he's Vince Vaughn. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so crazy because like this exact persona... Like, is in every other movie he did. I think the only time he's not doing this act is in uh, The Lost World Jurassic Park. It might be. You know? Which is, like, the next year, I think. Right. <laughs> and and when he was in True Detective, him and, uh, like, in season two of that, I, I saw that. I mean, but it's, yeah. I don't know, that, that's something different. But, like, yeah, Vince Vaughn has been eating off of this exact bit for going on 30 years now. Yeah, he has. Uh, it's, uh, it's People like it. Yeah. And, I mean... It's, it's this good. performance for him is iconic. I yeah, think naturally it, he's even on the the poster. Like he's on the box art for this movie. Yep, holding a martini with a box like a a pack of matches next to him. It says swingers with his sunglasses on. This isn't his movie. No, he's a huge part of it. Like I gave him credit with John Favreau. Like he's definitely second build, right? Like he's not the central protagonist, but he is like the breakout star. Yeah, you know, and it's because he had a very specific comedic persona obviously and just his his overall charisma he was born to play trent yes yes and i i know from behind the scenes stuff like this kind of how he was in real life not totally you know they amplify it for the film but like this kind of is vince vaughn yeah even john favreau like mike is kind of him too he wrote the movie based on his experiences coming to la and all that stuff so it's all got a realistic tone to it and i think that like almost every that that was the great thing about like 90s independent cinema especially these types of movies is the people who made them a lot of it was autobiographical Mm -hmm. and you couldn't keep your own life out of you know uh, of your cinema and i i I, I like that i'm totally cool with like okay guys we, we know the story of our lives, so let's do a heightened version of this. Yeah. You know, Ron, you and I were struggling actors, uh, and, and so was Vince. Uh, oh, let's play struggling actors, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, let's do it. Yep. So ultimately, the, the this is like a breakup movie, right? Like, yeah. So the, the central th- thread throughout the movie is Mike, played by John Favreau, left New York, left his girlfriend behind. I guess they're, they broke up, technically. Yeah, but uh, just because of the, his move. Yeah, just because he's not there. Right. You know, so he's in L.A. for six months trying to get over their breakup. And he's he's a sourpuss, man. He's just like dwelling on it and he's all down about it. And he just whines about it all the time, yes, you know, whining, and, exactly. Um, and all his friends keep telling him, like, you got to move on. Stop whining about it, you know. <laughs> um, and so the movie's about him trying to get over this relationship. And that's really what it is. And he is he has kind of uh, like not two circles of friends, but but, you know, like his one friend from back home played by Ron Livingston is Rob. Yeah. Who he confides in more than the other guys like one on one because Rob will listen to. him. I feel like he's been longer friends with Rob. Yeah. Rob came from, from New, New York, York. Right. After he saw how good 
uh, Mike was doing out here. He came to try it. Yep. So, so they've they've got a special bond, right. you know. Trent and Sue and these other guys, they look like they're L.A. people. They, yeah. They probably are from the area. Right. That's my guess. Right. Charles at one point says that he like he says something about New Orleans. And I'm like, so I've made up a backstory for for his character. That's where he came from. Charles, yeah. man. Yeah. I love Charles. <laughs> He's Alex awesome. Desert. Yeah. Awesome. He has a great line in it. He says, man, I still haven't told my parents I didn't get Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Best oh, joke, man. That is an excellent, excellent. Line. And he has like a ta- a tagline. <laughs> he keeps saying like when they go to different parties, he's always like, "Yeah, this place is dead anyway." This place is dead anyway. He says yep. it like three or four times, right. and it's, it's everywhere. So they go. funny every time. <laughs> Even if the place isn't dead, he says that when they leave. It could be the best yeah. party and best right, yeah. you've ever seen. But as soon as Charles <laughs> says this place is dead anyway, you're like, "Okay, yeah, you're right, Charles. Let's go. Let's go, man." <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the movie is structured kind of. I think of it as there's like three main acts of the movie. Like what most movies are of three act structure, but like this is distinct. There's like the Vegas, then there's a night of them going out and Mike kind of fucking it up. And then there's a night of them (laughs) going out and he's successful. Yeah. That's kind of just the movie basically broke down. Right. (laughs) The exhausting nature of the nightlife that we talked about, like gets like kind of just begins in earnest after the first scene where they're in, it's Mike and Rob are in the diner and they're talking about Michelle and it's an important part that we probably can't miss is that Rob says something that's very significant about like, uh, you know, forgetting, like trying to get over your relationship. He says, says, well, um, well, somehow they know not to come back until you truly forget. Right. Yeah. So like, just put that in your back pocket for, for now. Yeah. Mike's like, so what? I just have to pretend I forget until she comes back. And he's like, well, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But by then you actually will forget. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the problem is they don't know to come back until you already did. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's definitely, they really put it on heavy right here. Yeah. You know, which is fine. I, I don't mind heavy handedness sometimes, especially when it's done so well. And I think that when you're young filmmakers and and you're you're getting the opportunity to do something that is like completely personal for you like that, yeah. you're going to be very heavy handed with all your stuff. Yep. And you're going to put too fine a point on things. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I also appreciate it. Yeah. And then when the movie really kind of gets going, Mike goes home after this. He gets messages <laughs> on his machine. Yeah. And like Trent calls him. And immediately starts with all the, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do it. But the way he yeah. starts the conversation is like, we're going to go to this party and we're going to go to this other thing. And then he completely changes it out of nowhere and says, we're going to Vegas. Yeah. He's like, Mike, you're because Mike's, you know, sulking here on the phone. And yes. he's like, we got to get you out of Dodge. We're going to Vegas. Like <laughs> Trent is just go, go, go. Like we're partying. We're doing this. Although he does have like good intentions sometimes. Yeah. Like, he really is. He wants to help Mike. He wants to help him out, have, make him have a good time, you know, not at his expense of a good time. He wants to have a good time, too. Yeah. But he wants Mike to be there with him. He wants Mike to have fun. So he's like, we're going to go to Vegas. It's me and you. We're going to find some beautiful babies. We're going to get comped at the casino. It's going to be awesome. You know, <laughs> I'm going to get me a couple of cocktail waitress. I'm going to pull me a Fredo. Pull me a Fredo. I love that line. I mean, it's. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, It's kind of disgusting. It's quite disgusting. Like, Trent's behavior at the casino yeah. is in, is truly disgusting. The way he treats Dina Martin, um, like, yeah. oh my God. I mean, the, the shit he says to her about, like, I'm going to time you and this 50 cent piece is going to be yours. Yeah. And Mike's not like that. No. Mike is the opposite. He's, he even says, like, he has this thing. He wants to be a gentleman. He wants to, he doesn't want to lie to him. You know, right. he's, 
And that's the dichotomy here, right? There's the guys who just want to go party and have sex and they'll lie about whatever they have to to get to that. And then there's the guys who want to be honest and true and it might not work for them, but that's who they are. Right. So these two characters just, they're like really good friends, but they have these totally opposite viewpoints on how you should pursue women. And I, I can't like everything that Trent does is kind of indefensible, obviously. Yeah. But you were friends with somebody like this. Yeah. You know, we all were, we had multiple friends. Who oh were yeah. Like this. And oh, like, yeah. I had many evenings out where this was going on and I didn't call them out in a real way. Right. You know, I didn't either. Um, I, I might've gotten pissed off at them and, and yeah. you know, told them to fuck off a few times, but I never actually sat them down and said, here's why your right, worldview yeah. is disgusting. I knew a few Trent's. Yeah. I was a Mike myself. Yeah. I'm more Absolutely. of a Mike. Yeah. Um, I know. I know. I know. We were Mike's. We knew we were Mike's. Yeah, that's fine. why we're podcasters. Yeah. Right. You know, cause yeah. all, all Mike's became this. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We have a podcast talking about our failed relationships. Exactly. But you know what, though? Like, Trent's viewpoint on how to get some tail yeah. is kind of awful and juvenile. But I'm not going to lie. There are girls who like that I know. and play the game. There's the two. There's girls that do like that, and there's girls that don't like that. So there's Trent's and Mike's of both sexes, you know? And as long as as long as everyone is is understanding the rules, and as yes. long as I guess um, if Trent treats a woman who is not out for a good time in a bad way like this, yeah, then that's wrong. If yeah. the woman just wants, you know, like if she's out for for like just a one night stand, and she knows that this guy's an asshole, but he's good looking, yeah, then obviously go ahead, exactly, have have a consensual agree, you know, like sex sexual relationship, right? Yeah. As long as everyone's clear on yes, the terms here. Of course. Um, go for go it. Go for it, dude. Right. Trent has a line where he says, there's nothing wrong with telling the girls your money and that you're ready to party, <laughs> which I like it because you can interpret it as like, yeah, you be an asshole and try to be cooler than you are. Uh-huh. But also being money, you can also just be yourself and show them who you are, you know, right, for real. Right. You could be money being yourself, right? I mean, th- that's, that's they really They keep the... telling Mike he's money. And, By and, the way, they say money when something's awesome and cool. So. And, and when they're telling Mike that he's money and that he doesn't even know it, like, I don't know if, if they're complimenting his real nature, if they're saying that the real Mike is money, or, if, or are they saying that, that he's, I, he's, he's got them in him and they just needs to come out? I think they're telling him that who he truly is, is money. Okay. I really do. I feel like this movie does a great job with showing the like friendship and brotherhood that they have. Yeah. Like, and it's authentic too. Yeah. There's this little bit of like fucking around and saying you got, you got to lie to the women and all this crap is floating around this movie, but like they actually do love their friends and they're there for them and they want their friends to succeed. Yes. And they want to help them. Like Trent even has a really sincere moment with Mike when they're leaving Vegas in the car and Mike's like kind of crying about how he's going to try to move on. And Trent's telling him like, dude, you're awesome. You'll get there. Right. And he's supporting him. I love there's this true friendship in the movie. Cause, cause Mikey's upset because like Michelle is with another guy who drives a handsome cab in central yep. park. Pierre. We yes. find his name out Pierre. later. <laughs> his name is Pierre for God's yeah. sake. I mean, that's, that's really nuts. Um, but, 
Mike, uh, that Trent like tries to tell him, he says something about like, uh, you know, you're the fun outgoing party guy and you're sweating some lawn jockey. Yeah. That's a magnificent way to prop up your friend. Yes. You're right. Trent is a good friend to not just Mike, but also Sue. Yes. Um, they, like he would give you the shirt off his back. Yeah. That's, and that's his best. There, there's a great scene when Sue and Mike make up later in the movie too. Yeah. Again, I'm talking about this friendship here. Like, cause an event happens, we'll probably get to it, but like, they butt heads and they leave right. and they're fucking pissed at each other. And, uh, they come back the next night or two nights, whenever it is. And they both apologize. They both realize they were assholes and they make up and they even say, well, we're better friends for it now. Yes. So that's, that's wonderful. And that's true. It's, it's a real, it's real growth and it's an actual character arc, which is, it's nice. It's great. <laughs> Instead of just coming in and saying, I'm sorry. And then they bro out with some like NHL 95 or whatever. <laughs> yes, exactly. dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so at yeah. Vegas like Mike they go to pick up the waitresses right and they go back to their trailer yep you know to, to get it on is basically why they're there they all know why they're there all they, four they of them live at Nomi Malone's house <laughs> I, 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 I was really amazed that, 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 that they put a trailer in this movie like that right and <laughs> like things are going really well you know you're having a great time everyone is and then it kind of gets silent and they realize alright let's Let's go. Let's let's get down to business finally. Yep. So Trent and um, I forget the waitress's name in the movie, but they go back into her room yeah. and they leave Mike and the other woman out there. Yep. And Trent says, I'm going to check on them. They look out and it looks like they're making out on the couch, but it cuts and they're not. He's talking about his relationship with this woman who he was about to have a one night stand with. And she's just all supportive of him, which is great. I love that. It's, it's, it's such a comedic cut. I know. I love it. And you know, when he asks if he can use the phone to check his messages. Yes. And he's got a calling card. He has to interrupt Trent and this woman. Uh, and, and I love it. He knocks on the door real quick. And then Trent's hand pops out with, with a the, condom with to rubber. hand it to Mike. <laughs> and and that's not why he's there. He wants to go because that's where the phone is. And yeah. you hear Trent angrily go, you can check him later, Mikey. Oh, because this has happened before. This I'm has sure. happened before. He knows exactly what Mike wants to do. Yeah. He's going to check his message to see if Michelle called. Dude, <laughs> it's been six months. And he says, oh, they weren't in there that long, I'm sure. And they, they come oh. out. She's wearing his jacket, and he's got a, a, a pillow over his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Even if they'd only been in 30 seconds, you're interrupting them. Exactly. And honestly, man, look, I... Let me just tell you this. I'll say this right out. I have always, I have hated the idea. I have been in a house where I knew people were having sex in another room uh-huh. and I can't fucking stand it. I leave, I went to goddamn in and out like, yeah. like at that moment. Cause I, I, I can't do it. I can't fucking do it. I'm not going to yeah. sit there and I'm not. And like, if, if they left me with like, you know, Oh, you and this other girl will pair off. That doesn't work. Right. Yeah, it, exactly. If, if, the, if the chemistry isn't there, then, you know, we, we can't just like, and honestly, oh I, I'm not going to like yeah. start in on something in the, in the living room while you're in the bedroom because oh, we're going to cross paths. That's a depressing <laughs> fucking miserable way to live. Oh, man. I, I'd, I'd do it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'd be on that couch, man. I would do it. I'm sorry, Dave. Oh, man. But, um, oh, man, dude. I, I don't. I totally see where you're coming from. But yes. I, if I went there and that was the reason we were there, I would proceed very well yes fair enough um <laughs> um the casino before we leave vegas here when they're at the casino before all this goes down they only brought 300 dollars to bet with but oh. mike's only gonna bet 100 because that's all he can afford but he gets 300 so it looks like they're high rollers wow and this is 
fantastic comedy. He pulls up to this this uh, blackjack table, and he's he's trying to count his money out. And you know he they pull up all confident, and he's like, "Yeah, let's start with a uh, three hundred, I guess." Yeah, and he starts counting his money, and he can't <laughs> count it right. He's fumbling a little because he's nervous. The dealer's just looking at him like he's an idiot, and there's these other people at the table kind of looking at him like, "What is this guy doing?" And this interaction just keeps going farther south and farther south, and. He, he has to hand the guy the money. He's like, I don't want to bet at all. He's like, well, blah, blah, blah. put it on the table. And he like tosses it down all weird. It's so awkward. And the, the guy gives him three chips. <laughs> it is. Which is just a dynamite punchline. It is devastating. that He stands there fumbling with yeah. those 15, oh. $20 bills. And the they're guy, watching a car crash happen. Here. Because like everybody at the t- he's he's disturbing the order of everything. And they know how phony he is. Yes. They, they immediately like peg him <laughs> for this guy is not a high roller. This guy is wearing his best suit and it's not even a very good suit. And, and then when he sits down at the table, his tie gets like on oh. top of the table. That's an accident, by the way. They didn't plan that. Oh that just happened. God. Okay. <laughs> it was such a wonderful circumstance that happened. Like, wow. He looks like such a schlub. Yes. Yes. Oh. And the guy says, you know, uh, you can't hand me money, sir. You got to put it on the table. Because I don't want to bet at all. Yeah. Oh. oh, man. You've just given the game away. You don't. Yeah, oh, God. Obviously, when you're in that scenario and the guy gives you three chips for your all the money that you brought. You have to tuck tail and go. You have to just abort. Yeah. Just say, okay, look, I came here to do this. And I, I it doesn't matter what these strangers think of me. <laughs> I, 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 I can't do this. Right. They, they want the pit boss to see how awesome they are and Which, give them a hotel room. Give them food. They're going to yeah. give Daddy the Rain Man suite. You dig that? <laughs> what the flying fuck? That yes. doesn't happen, man. Uh, and he doubles down on the 11. Uh, so he loses $200 right off the bat. I mean, in, in 30 seconds, he, yeah, like 66% white. of his money is white. <laughs> exactly, dude. I mean, it is it is the Vegas nightmare. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then they go to the low... The low player the table. Low stakes the table. Lo- and dude, there's this old lady who's John Favreau's mom, yes. by the way. Joan Favreau, dude. So awesome. And she's betting. She gets an eleven. <laughs> and and she doesn't double down. She keeps hitting. She has like a seventeen and she hits. I know. <laughs> which is a a no no in blackjack. And she gets a twenty one. And it's just like a punch in the face to these guys. <laughs> and then the the table boss comes and like gives her free breakfast. Yep. Oh, yep. dude, it's wonderful. And and that that is like the pit boss coming over and yeah. giving you a voucher for a free breakfast. That's about as far as the Vegas gimmies go these yeah. days. Yeah. And even back then, the idea that they were going to comp you a, a, a penthouse suite because of your, yeah, of your you right. know, amazing winnings. No, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> That's not what they do. And on top of that, too, I think the, the, the psychology of blackjack is really is kind of on display in this set like you said about like you know when you're on 17 you don't hit yeah like that is a no-no it's just kind of a almost like decorum etiquette yeah like because everybody the, the other player might be waiting for that four for uh like you know their yeah, hand right and if you do that then they're gonna be mad at you now i don't really subscribe to all that like card playing i say play however the fuck you want do whatever you like yeah but i just know that like the, there might be someone wanting to break your legs if you do it now, if there, you're there lady, could be yes. yeah that trucker guy sitting yes, next exactly. to her with he the didn't... bandana <laughs> and the Bud Light. Yes, yes. <laughs> they're ordering single malt scotch on the rocks, and now they're sitting at the Bud Light table. And yeah, I gotta tell you, dude. <laughs> I, like when I first saw this movie back in the '90s, I when Mikey goes on that, you know, like uh, give me a, a Glenn Fittick, Glenn, yeah. uh, Gl- any Glenn, any Glenn. Yeah, 
I didn't know what Glens were. I didn't, I didn't know either at Glenn the time. Yeah. I didn't know any of that shit. No, me um, neither. And I just was like, what is this guy saying? Those are all words, but I don't know what they mean. Dude, I love Glenn Fittick. Like, right there, I got the 14-year down there. Oh, Ooh, sure, baby. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. Right. Um, but, man, the, the Glenn thing, he's trying to, like, save yes. the situation, yes. and he just still kind of sounds like an ass. And, and he's really <laughs> rattling off some pretty impressive scotch yeah. knowledge. Yeah, right. But, like, everyone has already seen through him because they know that he's got $300 in 20s. Oh. And, yeah. <laughs> and, like, and when, when Christy comes back and, like, you know, asks him, you know, like, oh, he got that scotch. He goes, well, I didn't even want it. I just wanted to order it. Like, it says everything oh, about Mike's character. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, like, the, the beginning of this movie is quite a long sequence in yeah. Vegas, actually. Mm-hmm. It's probably a good 25 minutes, 20 minutes maybe. And you you really get to see the relationship between Mike and Trent. Like, this is setting up everything. It's almost its own movie, because it's got a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's what I love about, like, all kind of just in general 90s independent cinema, is that, like, you'd get movies within movies like this. Yeah. I know from a storytelling perspective, and, like, maybe, you know, uh, kind of snooty critics didn't like that style, but I, I thought it was new, like, very... It was something brand new yeah. and exciting. And it was great, because they do open the movie... With the relationship, the breakup being the main point of the film. By setting that up, you're allowed to take this adventure, this side tangent. Absolutely. Because in the side tangent, I mean, it ends because of the relationship problems. Right. It's it's all in there. It's not pointless. Right. Totally. It's all used to develop the characters. Yep. No doubt about it. Yeah. And once we get back to Los Angeles now, uh, we, we, we see like Mike and Rob uh, like playing golf at the nine hole uh, par three public course. <laughs> yes. Uh, which looks really fun, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I don't golf uh, unless it's this situation. Yeah. Um, I, I've done it at Disney World a couple of times with my wife. They have these like little it's like they, they give you a putter and an iron. Yeah. And that's it. And you just go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It costs 12 bucks. There's there's no um, like exclusion of, of other people. Everybody right. gets to come. Right, yeah. This isn't some country club. Exactly. And th- it's so funny because they keep just making all these horrible shots. <laughs> yeah. And they're not these like really played up no. as jokes or no. anything. But as they're having their conversation, they're trying to like hit the ball and they just kind of suck at yeah. it. And at the end, they're like counting up their shots. And John Favreau can't even remember every spot his ball was at. Like he's kind of right. like recounting it a little bit. <laughs> It's so funny. John Favreau is great in this. Like his physical comedy is awesome. It's weird the way his career has taken this other turn where he is like primarily a director. All the stuff that him and Dave Filoni have done with Star Wars. Yeah. He is the establishment now of like big, big money movie producing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, he, he did the first Iron Man yeah. famously. Yeah. And that just, that was the explosion, man. That was the catalyst yep. for where he is now. And it's it's weird to see him part of like this kind of like absolutely stripped down, truly independent is, cinema. Isn't That's that what we like start. to do now, though? We take these great indie upstart directors who have vision and clear, unique ideas, and then we throw them into the system and fuck them up. Yes, that's that what is we're doing now. Unfortunately, what we do. Yeah, it's almost your ambition. Like that's why you get into doing these kinds of things so that you can one day direct. Right, a yeah. movie that costs five hundred million dollars, and that and it and is considered a failure if it doesn't make back one billion. Yeah, um, sounds fun. Jesus Christ, everybody! <laughs> Can we please bring back cinema? Don't I, get me started. I, yeah, okay, <sighs> that's a huge tangent. That's a yes, whole episode, right, man. Exactly. Um. So yeah, now now we're back in L.A. Right. Mm-hmm. So we we did the golfing, and he tells Rob, you know. 
I didn't mention her once today if you didn't notice. And he's like, Yeah, I wasn't yeah. gonna say anything. Yes. It's kinda like talking to your pitcher during a no hitter. You know, you don't want to <laughs> jinx it. It's great. <laughs> um And then they go to Sue's house. Sue is another character who's I guess he and Trent have been friends for a long time right. and now he's part of the gang, you know. And Patrick Van Horn plays Sue mm-hmm. and his career like it hasn't gone the way yeah. that the other guys in the cast yeah. have. But the only thing I remember him from other than this was a movie we did a couple weeks ago. He was Michael DeLuise's number two in Encino Man. Was he? Yeah. He was in like tons of scenes and he had okay. almost no dialogue. He was always just standing there like wow. like doing the classic bully thing of going <laughs> Yeah, you know that 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 stuff. So he was like the three D yes of, of the group. Three D slash match. Oh man, dude. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but he's great in this. Yeah. I, I love Sue as a character, and the the performance is great too. Yep. So they go to his house to play NHL on Sega Genesis, man. Man. And honestly, I really appreciate this scene because it doesn't look faked. Like the, they look I like know. they're actually playing the game. They they're, probably are. They're not button mashing. No, they're not button mashing. They're not moving the controller through the air yes. like they're flying a plane <laughs> right. or something. There's there's not like bleeps and bloops. It's actually real. It's like you're. It looks like they're really playing the game. So I really appreciate that because I'm a huge gamer myself. Right. And that game they're playing. I spent so much time playing that game as a kid. It is I loved a it. Truly classic video game. I love the establishing shot of like the LA skyline. It's so good. And you hear like Sue going, bitch. Yeah. My bitch. Oh yeah. Like over top of the He's dun, pissed. Dun, 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 dun. They're and, trash talking. And the and, and Trent's trash talk during the video game. When Sue says, I took the kings to the cup on this one, Trent says, against the computer with the offsides off. Yes. So I fucking love perfect. it, dude. Yes. They're a finesse team. They're a fucking bitch team. <laughs> They're a fucking bitch team. <laughs> I love it, dude. It's so funny, man. I, I love it because it. One of the main things I do like about the movie, it's like everything in this seems authentic. I know, and it's true to life. I really love it. That that, that against the computer with the offsides off is such a just absolute crystalline, excellent, you know, like piece of trash. Yeah, talk I you love do it, in dude. the mid nineties, <laughs> and and this is the one of the. Okay, there's just a couple of things that don't age well in this movie. Uh, uh-huh. Obviously, we've talked about like the the yeah the takeout guy here. Yes, yeah, the takeout sucks. guy. Yeah. that sucks. That truly sucks. Yeah, and I remember laughing at it back in the day, thinking it was funny. Yeah, um, and I I I'm laughed ashamed. a little bit until I heard him say something about his race, and Me I was too. like, oh, I forgot that he did that. That's right. Yeah, right. The Pink Dot guy comes to the door. Yeah. Um, Pink Dot is a grocery delivery service that they have in Hollywood. That is used in Magnolia as well. Yeah. The, the guy is just delivering, and he's, he's like, to, to be fair, he is, like, kind of finding it funny himself. Because he knows bit. that this is bullshit. Um, but to hear, like, Trent and Sue saying, all, like, they're pretending to be gay. Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. You know? Um, tell him to come in. Uh, tell him to take his shoes off, Michael. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty gross. Yeah. At least he gives him a good tip. Yes, yeah, that Mike. Is a nice Mike thing. hands him a lot of extra money yes. because of what's happening, yes. which is nice. At that, least that, that's a cool thing. Yeah, that's at least good. <laughs> um, and then they're talking about what they're gonna do tonight, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna go to this party in the hills, a modeling agency." And well, it starts at eight. Oh, so we're gonna when are we going? Ten, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> And the whole movie, there's tons of moments like that throughout the movie where they have these like stupid little rules that they follow about like when you show up, uh-huh. when you call some girl, when you do this or that. There's like this stupid like unspoken etiquette. The about, whole thing about, about wait, partying and dating. I know, and stuff. like it, that it, it has to. You have to follow these rules. You have to wait two days to call somebody. And yeah. you know, uh, I used to wait two days to call anybody, but uh, but now I, think, I feel everyone does. Yeah, I think three days is kind of money. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, how long are you gonna wait? Six, Six days. days. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude. Oh, it's so good. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. But this scene, they go out and they like Ron or Rob played by Ron Livingston. I, I don't know if we mentioned that, but, yeah. but anyway, Rob and Mike go out and they, they meet up with Charles at a bar randomly. Yeah. And this one, he does the deep space nine line. And then and this part is a little bit of a continuity error for me yeah. because it comes right after they're playing hockey at Sue's house. Yeah. And like, it looked like they, the three of those guys were going to go out together. Yeah. And I know that they said that they weren't going to go till 12. Yeah. Um, but like, did Mike then just leave and then go meet up with Rob and then go get Charles? That's probably what happened. Because he tells them while they're at Sue's house, you know, Rob's going to come out with us. Oh, he does say that. Yeah, he does. But um, yeah. maybe Mike had to go meet up with them. I, okay. don't, I don't know what happened. And right. then, then Robbie's even saying, he's like, so why are we going out to a bar if we're going to a party? And he explains the stupid rules. And, you know, <laughs> but they they randomly meet Charles here, too. They weren't playing I know. It. Yeah, Charles just runs into him. Yeah. So then Charles, they go back to Sue's house, I guess, and they're playing cards. I know. That that was kind of, that was weird, too. Because, I mean, they, they did establish, like we said, about, like, they're not going to the party till later. But it's weird that they that Mike would have gone out for a drink with Rob and then picked up Charles and then, and then they come back to <laughs> Sue's. Yeah, right. Um. I love this scene, though, because when they're here, this is where you get they're stealing the shots from yeah. other movies, but they're talking about these shots and appreciating them and then saying movies always steal shots from other movies. They're getting really meta here, which I really like. And this and this this meta self-referential stuff that like a lot of modern critics think is too cute. It still pretty much fully works on me. I love this scene. I know. They're talking about the steady cam shot in Goodfellas when they go into the kitchen to get yep. in the Copacabana. Which they recreate Which later. they recreate later, which is still, it's awesome. Yep. They, they say, you got to be nuts to shoot in a casino, <laughs> which we just saw a whole 20 saw, minute I mean, segment yeah. of them in a casino. Uh-huh. They talk about the slow-mo shot in Reservoir Dogs. I mean... It's it, like Trent brings like because they're comparing everything, and then Sue says brings up the the slow mo shot in Reservoir Dogs, and yeah. they all go, "Oh fuck that!" You know, like yeah. Tarantino, he sucks. You know, and, yeah, he bites everything from Scorsese. Yes, and, and then and, Rob says, "What's the deal?" Like everyone steals from everybody. That's just movies. Yeah, like I love that. And then smash cut to the exact recreated scene from opening scene from Reservoir. Yeah, the slow mo walking with pick up the pieces blasting in yep. your ears. Yep. Fuck, dude. I mean, it is like oh, it's it is so shot good. for shot. Like, and and it's obviously it's winking at you, but right. I thought that was. I mean, like, it's so cool. I, I did too. I know it is. It very is cool. so cool. It's cool looking, and it was a cool move to both at the same time rip off and also like. I mean, it's it's an homage. It is an homage. You know, and then you get the slow mo shots of them driving through the city. Wow. Like, okay, when the saxophone solo hits. And their cars come around that corner in Beverly Hills with the crane shot. Like, yeah. I just, like, melt. I'm like, dude, this is the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen it's in my life. It's electrifying, dude. I know. It's it's like it's like when that fucking car pulls into the parking lot and Dazed and Confused right at the beginning when Aerosmith hits. It's like, <laughs> it's such a cool feeling, man. Yes, it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And then they pull up to the party and they go in and uh, they, they try to get some drinks and start talking to women. And my, my favorite Mike, bit, bit yeah, from this ahead. party is when the dude walks up to Mikey and he's like, and Mikey's like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? Yeah. You know, what are you doing here? Oh, oh that's great. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, okay, yeah, all right. See you later. I'll, I'll give you a call. Mm-hmm. And Rob goes, who was that? He goes, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's I mean, so true to life. It, it is, I it is love really it. good, you know. Oh. And it's it's just so perfectly played by John Favreau. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I've never had that exact kind of phony Hollywood exchange that way. Yeah. But I have like pretended to know somebody when I didn't. Yeah. I've had similar things happen. Yes. Um, and then 
Rob and Mike are kind of on their own, and then the other guys are on their own. So they're both trying to pick up women in, yeah. different, in different ways. Yes. <laughs> like, so Mike is trying to pick up on some model, and he's he just goes up and says, hey, what's going on, ladies? And she asks him, what kind of car do you drive? Which puts him on his heels. He's not ready for this. And then he be, he starts fumbling again like he's at the casino. He says, I drive, I drive, drive a Cavalier. <laughs> it's it's red. It's red, <laughs> red Cavalier. And the whole time, Rob, Rob's there like like tilting yes. his head like, let's go. Get out of here, man. Because he's his wingman. He's like, come on. Let's go. <laughs> Abort. I know. Abort. I mean, dude. <laughs> It was a dumb thing to do to walk up to this lady and start chatting her up for one thing. I mean, like, yeah. you know when someone wants you to come up and talk to them. Right, yeah. You, have to, you don't just walk up and start running your mouth. And that's what Trent's trying to do. Yeah. He's trying to set it up. Yes. He's trying to get this woman from across the room to look at him. That way he can go in. <laughs> and he has Sue watching her to see if she looks at him. And he's like, is she looking now? And he keeps, like, grabbing different parts of his neck or his, like, <laughs> arm. And he's like, what about now? And... <laughs> Sue's like, she's not fucking looking. Oh, wait. She just looked. <laughs> See what I told you, baby? And then he goes in and it plays the Jaws music like he's hunting her down. And she's she's smoking this cigar. And like the whole time, he's just kind of nodding and stuff because that's what he tells Mike earlier. You just nod and just agree with what they're saying. Uh-huh. That's all they want. Right. And at one point, as the Jaws music's getting more intense, he's like nodding his head more. And eventually, he's smoking the cigar. Yes. <laughs> he, he has her cigar. <laughs> I love that touch. And it ends with him getting the number. And he walks away and he rips it up, man. It's the, what an asshole. It is the like absolute ultimate. And they all call move. him an asshole, rightfully right. so. Even Sue thinks Even, it was out, yes. of, out of pocket. Even Sue, who, who is his right hand man, yes. is like. Fuck you, dude. Exactly. Why'd you do that? That was really cool. You could have at least waited to do it later. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. And he's like, oh, she didn't see that. And it's like, and Mikey has the right. It doesn't matter if she didn't see it. You know? Right. We're, you know, uh, ethics is what you do when no one's looking, you fuck. Right. And so Mike tried his approach, being honest, a gentleman, didn't work. Right. Trent tried his approach, being a fucking asshole, lying douchebag, and it worked. And you know, in art imitating life... Trent being an asshole, <laughs> and by extension, Vince Vaughn being an asshole. Yeah. This moment with the Jaws music was sent to Steven Spielberg for him to clear the rights to the, for them to really? use the, the music. Uh-huh. And this is what landed him the part in Lost World Jurassic Park. Really? I mean. Oh, my God. It, it's, it's like you, you couldn't. That, that, that is such Hollywood stuff, like making connections, like just happenstance. Um, for someone who's star Dude. to rise after being a jerk on cinema. And you know what? Even in The Lost World, he's like a guy in Greenpeace, right? Yeah. I've seen that movie a lot. Yeah. They ask him why, and he says it's 80% women in Greenpeace. He's still the same <laughs> he guy. Can't help it. He's going to be double down Trent <laughs> no matter what role he takes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> dinosaurs or not. <laughs> He's getting those beautiful babies. Not naturally, dude. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe he's not scamming on Julianne Moore throughout that whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, probably was off true. camera. Oh, I'm sure he was. <laughs> um, so after this, they go to another bar, the yeah. Dresden, I think. And, and dude, uh, the Dresden. Yeah. Uh, and and we, we get to see like more before they go to the Dresden of like, it, it, it's a joke, obviously, that they drive separate, the five separate guys that have yeah. five separate cars. That, right. You know, that was a... An unfortunate thing we all did because <laughs> yeah. we wanted to have a, like an, an out and also you wanted to be, oh, if you meet a lady, you know, yeah, you right. take her home, you know, <laughs> and it's these five cars all belching pollution throughout throughout the skyline and they all pull up. And when they get to the Dresden, uh, Marty and Elaine 
Yeah. Holy Famous Marty shit. and Elaine. I mean, it's just, I, I love it. I, I can listen to Marty and Elaine forever. Yep. Playing Staying Alive, dude. Man, I, I, I was, last time I was in Los Angeles, I met a Marty-esque singer. You did? Yes. That's awesome. I was coming out of the bathroom and this guy was just like Marty. He was going, you used to call me on my cell phone. <laughs> I was, just, he was singing Drake and this guy dude. was old as balls. You know, I, I, crazy. That's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> So anyway, they go to this other bar, and now they're trying to get more women, right? Yep. And Sue and Trent go off to get these other girls that looked at them. And Mike is just done. He goes to the bar to order a drink, and he can't even get the bartender's attention. And there happens to be a woman. Her name's Nikki, who's sitting there. And she kind of laughs at him because he's having a hard time getting a drink. Yeah. And it's it's authentic. And, like, she's not being rude, but she's being sincere and thinking it's funny. And she, she strikes up a conversation with him. He's being himself. And then... Once she starts talking to him more, he starts being the asshole, kind of like Trent is. He starts lying about stuff, and he gets in trouble for that. This woman he just met, who he somehow doesn't remember, mm-hmm. she says that we met like two that they met like two weeks ago. You know, because she was work. She works at Starbucks, and he came in and asked for an application. Yeah, and how does he not remember Nikki? I don't know. You know, like Nikki is a really gorgeous woman yeah. who was probably pretty friendly to him. Who he probably like fancied when they met at Starbucks, and this fucking idiot doesn't remember. Yeah, her. I don't know. Maybe he was just in his head about Michelle still, and uh, he just wasn't paying any attention. Man, what but. a sad sack! You know, it's it's just it's it's sometimes like I I love John Favreau in this movie, but I get really I find myself getting really mad at Mike sometimes for his stupidity. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. So he he kind of aborts there. Yes. After this, after he's caught in a lie, and then Trent and Sue give him a pep talk about how money he is. And all that. And they're being real with them. Like, I don't think they're trying to, like, manipulate them too much. But they're telling them, like, dude, you got to just go in and then kill the bunny is what they get to. They're like, this is you're like a big speech. You're like a big bear with these fucking claws and you don't know how to kill the bunny. <laughs> and they go on this big speech. It's really funny, actually, because Sue's kind of chiming in every now and then, too. Big like, fucking yeah, like, teeth. like, you're a big bear, man. <laughs> like chiming in. It's really funny stuff. Yes. And and they pep him pep him up, <laughs> and then he goes back and he gets the number from Nikki. And the the, the period on the end of that bear thing is is you know Trent more self self referential stuff says. Now listen, I don't want you to be the guy in the PG thirteen movie. Everybody's yeah. really hoping it's gonna make it. Yeah, I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie. Uh huh. The guy who you're not too sure whether you like yet or not. He's describing his own character, yes, and exactly. it's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets the number. The night ends, he goes back, and he calls her. It's like 2.30 in the morning or some shit. Yeah. He gets home. You see the phone and the voicemail. The voicemail. Man, what what age is it now, man? Uh, yeah, no it's shit. an answering machine. <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> and he goes, and he calls her, and he leaves a nice message, kind of like just saying, hey, I had a nice time. I wanted to call, give you my number. And he's giving her his number, and it gets cut off right at the last digit. This is where trouble starts, right? <laughs> He's like, oh, fuck. So he calls again, leaves another message. He starts rambling about shit, and he gets worse and worse as he goes. And then he tries to give her a number again, cut off again. And then he calls again, gives her the number, and then starts spouting shit that he shouldn't be saying. Like how, how he hopes he't not weird and shit. Like it's you can't so all... cringe. And when he does that, he realizes what he has done and kind of like changes what he says. And it's even worse. And then he calls again and says he just got out of a relationship and this isn't going to work out. It's not you. It's me. He breaks up with her. <laughs> 
this before even having a relationship with her. This it isn't is, working out. It is like you said. It is. It is cringeworthy. I mean, like the 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 journey he goes on through yeah. this series of six phone calls. I mean, he he sounds like a fucking psychopath. Obviously, yes. the, whole, the whole thing. Yeah, and. By the time he gets to the end, I think at the end of his of his fourth call, he ends it with, this is Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the last call, she picks up the phone. And he's like, oh, Nikki, hi. Did you just walk in or were you listening the whole time? Ugh. And she says, Mike, don't ever call me again. Hangs up. And after you hear the click, he says, wow, I guess you're home. Ugh. So pathetic. It's it guts you. It guts it, it him. It guts you. Yep. Um, and, and it cuts. Yeah, it cuts to him as a sad sack in his apartment the next day or two. He's going through a shoebox full of photos of him and Michelle, like real sad shit. He's yeah. got like two days of stubble on. Yeah. He obviously hasn't like opened the windows and I don't know how long. He's on the living room floor with his comforter on him. It's, it's and like uh, the dresser drawer is pulled out, sitting next to him on the floor. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty bad. Pathetic. This guy's in a bad place. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and when Rob comes to the door to like, you know, prop him back up, uh -huh. it's more of him like being the, the, the kind of, you know, having the, the friendship where, um, they go back a little while and yeah. he can talk to Mike in this, in this way. It's, it's not like when Trent and Sue were trying to pump him up or whatever like yeah. that. It's, this is more just, um, like where he's, uh, actually being honest with him and telling him like, yeah. this is your fault. He said, you know, yeah. he, she says, why won't she call? He goes, because you left. Exactly. You know, it, what, what do you want her to do? Like, I mean, the, the idea of like him kind of uh, like expecting her to put up with a long distance relationship. Um, I mean, they was there not an official breakup when he left? I mean, like, how did yeah, they I leave it? I don't know. I mean, it must have been, you know, kind of up in the air. And if she's with somebody else, then, then obviously, you know, you haven't uh, made that effort either. Yeah, it's a little vague on what happened. Right. I didn't mean for this to become like a thing where I'm being this hateful toward <laughs> Mikey, but but just as I'm talking more and more, I'm like, I feel less and less sympathy for him. Yeah, you I know? mean, he, he's pathetic. Right. He's playing it up. Yes, he is. He wants the sympathy. Yes. And that thing of like where you want pity is a really pathetic place yeah, to be Yeah, he's just in. wallowing in it. Yes. You don't want to watch it. And Rob's kind of fed up with it now, too. Oh, yeah, he is. He's like, dude, you can't keep doing this. Yep. And he tells him that eventually you'll you'll wake up every day and it'll hurt a little less. And then you, before you wake up one day and it won't hurt at all. Yeah. And that you might even start to miss the pain because you lived with it for so long. Yeah. Um, it's a very... It, it's, it's it a is. Good, and he's talking about himself and it. it's yes. a great Rob moment. You, yeah. You learn more about Rob. And Ron Livingston's great in this scene because you can see the heartbreak show up on his face as he's thinking about his past relationship. Yes. Yep. He's helping Mike, but now he's reliving these hard memories. Right. Uh, it's great performance from Ron Livingston. Um, and we skipped over the, the part that happened outside the Dresden when they when they leave. Um, oh, yeah. Man, but when they have the run-in with, with the guys, the, the hip-hop dudes. Yeah. <laughs> like the white hip-hop guys. There's like guys. another gang yeah. of guys. Yeah. Um, and Sue pulls a gun on yeah. these guys who, who are like talking shit to him. And, um, yeah, Sue bumps into them and says, watch where you're going, assholes. And then they, a fight's about to go down. Yeah. And he pulls a gun out and they all scatter and Sue and Mikey and Charles and they're all pissed off at him. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Yeah. You care. I mean, like he's obviously got, he's got a gun just in the small of his back. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's walking had it the whole time that way. I mean, he's had it the whole time. Right. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, and this leads to Sue gets a little bit pissed off at Mikey being so like lecturing him so much about the gun. Yeah. And he starts saying like 
what we're what I've been saying pretty much to Michael about like yeah. you know how he's how he's, he's he calls him out on it exactly he says you know dude you, you're just whining all the time about about like you know some girl yeah and um you know he calls him a little whiny bitch yes yes yeah and you never shut up about it <sighs> wow yeah. it's harsh but he's but he's correct he's right and Trent's know? trying to calm them both down Trent's yeah. in the middle of it. And he does. It's it's a great Trent moment too, because he's he knows what Sue's saying is true yes. too. But he knows that they're both going too far here, right? And he's and he's like he knows how like Mike is the more sensitive, obviously person. Right. He's going to be devastated by what Sue. Yeah, is he's saying. kind of protecting Mike, right? Um, and like I love it because he's he definitely takes charge of the situation. Yes, because he's telling Sue too, like just shut the fuck up, like don't even talk to me. I don't even want to fucking talk to you yeah, right now. Like yeah, yeah. and Sue like stops he's yeah. like god yeah okay they they yeah. they all kind of defer to trent i mean yeah. he's, he's clearly yeah. the leader of this group you know yeah he definitely is he's the head honcho <laughs> yes. of, the, of the of the team here right for sure <laughs> there's a great line <laughs> when when he first pulls the gun out and they leave john favreau's like didn't you see boys in the hood now one of us is gonna get shot <laughs> It's so funny, man. And they tell him, like, yeah, you live in a great neighborhood. Why are you packing? You're not, like, in Compton or something. He says, people get carjacked. Trent says, oh, God damn it, Sue, nobody wants to boost your fucking K car. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. It's a very serious scene. Yes. And you don't know what's going to happen. Again, this is like that independent spirit of these sure. kinds of low-budget indie movies. Right. You don't know what's going to happen. They do subvert your expectations. And if there is someone might get shot if, here. If somebody gets shot, we're going to we're going to like see actual like we're going to have blood spatter because it's it's you know it's not two thousand and eight, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and when when Sue, uh, man, it's it's the worst Sue moment in this movie is is when like they ask him why he's got the gun. He goes because I kept our rep, bro. Yeah, dude, what are you talking yeah. about? What fantasy world do you live in? Yeah, Charles goes fuck rep. I'm out of here. Yes, excellent. Yeah, I got a call back tomorrow. Yes. Yep. Uh, dude, and oh man, at one point like Trent says <laughs> something about like I got a call back in the morning or a second audition. He says I'm skipping it to go to this thing. What are you doing, Trent? If you're right. in LA trying to become an actor, you go to that second He's audition. He's going out to party. He's going to skip his second dude, what audition. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know, man. You're going to like not call back Ron Howard? What what Oh, come on. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> yes. So Ultimately, we go out again the next couple nights. Right. Because um, now this is kind of like the more triumphant uh, evening out and yeah. where, where we have the Copa shot. Um, yeah. Because when they enter the, the club where Big Bad Voodoo Daddy I think it's is Brown playing. Derby. Brown Derby, yeah. yeah. Um, and they go in the, through, the, through the, the bowels of the club. Yep. And they recreate that shot from when Henry takes Karen through the back of the club right. at the Copa. Right. And they get um, that table. Yes. Yeah. From here, there's a moment that is like so excellent independent 90s cinema where Mikey spies Heather Graham sitting uh-huh. across the bar and she is like and this is everybody in the club including the two of them are dressed in like 1940s finery everybody's oh, yeah. looking really good Heather Graham is like just like got that like Betty Page or like kind of oh, yeah, up hairdo bright red lipstick it's look she looks great and she she spies him and Mikey goes over to talk to her and the camera's following him, and when he walks up to like Heather Graham where she's sitting, there's a guy who's like all, who's has taken his spot. Yeah, and the guy looks directly into the camera and is kind of like, "What the hell?" Yeah, he doesn't know he's in a movie. He doesn't know he's in a movie, and and I, I love that moment. I I love it too. And my only beef with it is not with the movie, but with the guy. Yeah, like if I'm the guy and I'm, I live in L.A. and it's the mid '90s. 
and I see a full camera crew, I know there's a movie taking place and yeah. I'm not going to stand there with my mouth open like a country fried rube going, yeah. oh, 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 you know. Yeah, dude, he's like, oh, what? What exactly, the heck's happening? I would just make yeah. myself scared. I take my beer and go somewhere else. Yeah. I love that little moment. Like you said, it's yeah. true yes. independent cinema. Exactly. It's I great. Lo- it's so good. Because they have to hard cut then to then, like you see, he now he's, Mikey's in that spot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and they have a, they started off and um, it turns out okay. Yep. Like he's not lying at all. Right. And he's being honest. He's being himself. And it's, it's crazy because like you kind of need to find the right person, right? Because yeah. Heather Graham kind of matches him. She has the same idea and vibe, and she even mentions she's from out of town. She had a breakup, and like so, they're relating on this. You can't just find anyone. I mean, it's not going to work. No, you got to find the right person. You got to make some mistakes first. Yeah, and and sometimes you're going to feel humiliation, and sometimes it's going to go bad. Sometimes it'll be, you know, like uh, you'll just mutually understand that this isn't going to work uh-huh. until finally you hit on one where it's like, oh, she's just like me, you know? Yeah, and she's we're, we're both like from out of town. We both got over breakups, and we're both pretty funny and charming, and yeah. you know. We have a good back and forth. Right. And the whole time this is happening, Trent and Sue are at their table getting shit-faced. No, they like, got these guys, these guys are just going hard absolutely tonight. Absolutely shit-hammered. And they keep having all these girls come to the... Like, it keeps cu- jump-cutting <laughs> to more and more women, like, sitting there. Right. And I guess they know them all, or they just picked them up. I guess the girls are okay with it, too, but, and like, they're, they're not even paying attention to the women half the time. They're just like, oh, look at Mike. Mike's going in. <sighs> and it becomes, it becomes, we're not here to pick up girls. We're going to watch Mike work. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're so proud of and him. And they have shot after shot toasting to what <laughs> yes, he's doing. Yes. Because he goes out there, like, him and, like... Him and uh, Heather Graham, Lorraine is her name. Yeah. Uh, Mikey and Lorraine go out on the dance floor, and they're going to just do like this. Uh, it's, it's a slow, a slow, song. slow swing, big band song, yeah. you know. And unfortunately, the song ends in about 10 seconds, and, and Mikey's about to go sit down, and then she pulls him back. Um, well, well, yeah, because Go Daddy O starts blasting. And they start, like, they start in on it. They start swinging. Man, and Dude. it's really good. Like, I mean, the two of them. It's like 1930. It, it is Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. Oh, style. yeah. It's, more, it's, it's more impressive than that. Even, it's really, it's really good. Fast. The whole dance floor is filled with all these people who are uh, zoot suit rioting on the floor, yes, man. They're going yes. crazy. Everybody Lots of spins, great. flips. It's, yes. It's awesome. So good. Big hats. I wanted so bad to be part of this scene. I was so into this. You know? I bought, I, I like immediately bought Big Bad Voodoo Daddy CDs after, oh, cool. after yeah. I saw this. Yeah. I would drive down the street blasting this album. <laughs> like. Like it was me. I'd be going to the. This was me. I would meet my friends at the next party. I was blasting Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was awesome, dude. I, I I can't believe that moment in the culture happened. I know, know, right? Like it's it's the swing. Yes, band happened for about a year revival. or two. I mean, yeah, and and that everyone embraced it. And I can't believe it didn't last longer because it's so goddamn cool. It was good. Like it got me into like tons of Sinatra stuff, Dean Martin, me too, all the classics. Big band music. Yep. It really got me into that stuff, and I love it to this day. Stuff that I hadn't, stuff that I'd either just, like, you know, ignored or wasn't aware of. Yeah. yeah. It, it, like, this movie, you know, brought it back. And um, I, I know that it eventually, like, the whole movement became corporatized, and that's probably what ruined it when there was, like, you know, Old Navy commercials with it. But, right, you know, yeah. uh, it, the corporates, corporations ruin everything. Right. Um, but, this is like, an independent movie, goddammit. Exactly. It. This this was the real, <laughs> the real people in the world. Um, and when the, the number is over and they walk to Heather Graham's car, yeah. um, like Lorraine in the original, did you ever see the original deleted scene? Yes. They kiss. Yes. 
Yeah. It's, it's probably my, one of my favorite deleted scenes of all time because it's, it's good. so funny. I honestly, I haven't watched it in probably five years at least. Okay. Ten years, maybe. But uh, I remembered it as they kissed. So did I. You did? That's yes. awesome. And and that's the weird thing is because I, I probably because I watched that deleted scene so many times. Yeah. I watched the outtake of the, the deleted scene where uh-huh. they kiss and then she pulls away and like John Favreau's face has like the red lipstick all over it and uh-huh. it's a big mess and Heather Graham just corpses. She's just like, she's falling over <laughs> herself laughing because like John Favreau has this great look on his face where he's just looking into the camera with like smeared <laughs> lipstick all over his face and they can't use it. Yeah. And I, I knew that wasn't in the movie, man, but, but I did remember the, them kissing. Yeah, I even I wrote in my notes because I was getting a little head. I was like, okay, they go to the car, they kiss, uh-huh. and then they didn't kiss. I was like, oh yeah, that's right, that's the deleted scene. It, so then it, I fixed my notes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it works Dude. way better without them kissing. It does. Yeah. I was gonna ask you what you thought. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's better without the scene because there's still that tension and that wonder of how what's gonna happen, how's it gonna work out. That and, kind of stuff. And the way they part, you know, like she she makes she she gets the reference, you know, the, the Groucho Marx reference on his business yeah, card. Yeah, right. And and I I can't remember exactly what she says to him, but it's some kind of like like jab at him a little bit. And yeah, says, it suits well, it suits you. Oh, yeah, it suits you. Get the hell you. out of here. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. And like I love that. It's so good. And then she gets in the car and like it's it's great to watch her like look up at him, kind of hopeful. Yeah. You know, um, and then there's like a bit of awkwardness where she hits the horn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's taking her club off the wheel. That's right. Because <laughs> that's a running gag too. Yes. When all the five cars pull up earlier at the Dresden <laughs> or whatever, they in tune with the music, like they all put the things on their steering wheel. I've never yeah. seen a club montage <laughs> in any other movie. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. It's like they all go on. <laughs> it's great. And then we go to the, cat, uh, the, the, the after we're going after the bars, we have to go okay. and get something to eat. Yes. So Mikey has to take... Sue and Trent back home because they're fucking dead. They're Oof. they're gone. They're not dead. They're very active still. <laughs> yes, but they are not on planet Earth, man. They are in the atmosphere, floating around, wow. being obnoxious. <laughs> you ever been with someone like this where they're so drunk they're just out of control? Too many times. Yeah, yeah. me too. I had this situation happen to me. I went to Waffle House after a party once. Yep. With. With Rick and Steve. Yeah. <laughs> and they were gone, man. Uh, I was driving. And we, we had our food. They were goofing around. We left. I left early. Go out the front door. Get to my car. I'm not in it yet. And I look back. Steve has scooped the mat from the floor of the Waffle House with the logo on it into his hands. A fucking, like, six by eight mat. Come on. Running out the front door. And we jump in the car and go. Jesus. I had that mat in my basement for 20 years. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. Oh, man. (laughs) That's how I feel watching this movie, though. That's the vibe they put off. Like, that's what Trent and Sue would have done. And this is, like, yeah. this is some of Vince Vaughn's best acting of his career. It is good. Like, like I've never seen a better drunk performance in many movies yeah. um, than, than this asshole drunk from, you know, like, at the at the af- at the coffee shop afterward, like he's yeah. loud, he's uh, like making a scene. He's standing up on the table, taking his shirt off. I mean, putting plates of food on other people's yes, table. Yes, it is. It is so like exactly the the kind of obnoxious horseshit behavior that I've seen like drunk people have. Yeah, maybe he was loaded before this. I don't. I mean, maybe. It, it, it's really like uh, it's very realistic. <laughs> you know, it is. It is. And then you don't see anyone looking at him. The camera's on him. 
and it's kind of pointing up at him because yeah. he's standing up on the on the seat on the table. And he looks over as if the waitress or the owner is looking at him. And uh-huh. he's like, what? No, I'm the asshole. No, no, you no, I'm not the asshole. Like, I'm not going to eat here. I would never eat here. I'm not eating here. It's and he like leaves. It's like, that's what a drunk person. They have this insane logic. Yes. Yeah. I mean, all, everything he says doesn't make any sense. No, because previously he's saying like, I love coming here. Yeah. Like literally less than a minute ago, rambling about how great this place is. And it just changes. Because he's getting side-eyed for his behavior. <laughs> and it feels completely <laughs> natural and, and, and improvised. It doesn't feel scripted yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. I, I, and that's why I'm kind of just really impressed with, with it's either his acting or is that just Vince Vaughn completely shithoused and, and acting like a jerk? At I don't the, know at the if restaurant. he's drunk, but it cannot be scripted, right? No. It, this has to be improv by Vince yeah, Vaughn. Oh, yeah. It, it, it feels very I'm sure there was an outline. Yeah with you got to touch on this and that and that's it just riff go for it and, and it's wonderful and that's what vince vaughn does best is riff you know he, he's he's really yeah. good i mean you you know you see all his movies there's at least one scene or many scenes where he is doing this there's whole movies where it's just like we'll riff for a little bit and then we'll put a movie together unfortunately yes, yes. but yeah it's, it's it's wonderful yes and and then we go to the next day or actually goes home. Mike has the phone number for Lorraine and it shows the phone and he's thinking about calling her, <laughs> but he doesn't, he doesn't, yeah, he, he makes, puts it on the calendar, he makes the right choice. Yeah. Or he sets it there and then goes to bed. Yeah. Then he wakes up, puts it on the calendar two days ahead of time. <laughs> Cause that's when he's going to call her. And there's this, like, there's this drumming on the, on the soundtrack. Oh and, yeah. And, you're thinking, and he's like, he's. He's pacing through the thing, uh-huh. pacing through the apartment. Like, you know, should I call it? But then he, you know, he decides, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And right. he's, he's still kind of, he's approaching this relationship in the right way, but he's still having that, that, that thing of like, you know, well, Trent and Sue said I should wait two days. Yeah. Um, right. Instead, dude, you like Lorraine, but it, anyway, but yeah, it, there's a reason that he doesn't make the call in that moment because the phone rings and it's somebody else. Yeah. It's Michelle calling from New York. Finally. He's been waiting six months for this. Somehow they know not to come back until you really forget. Oh, man. If they only set that up earlier, Dave. (laughs) They really bookend this movie. They sure do. It's good, though, man. It's wonderful. It's so on the nose, but the performance. And honestly, like, it was unexpected. I know. This call is completely unexpected because you know what? We've forgotten about it as an audience. I know. We have forgotten about it now, too, because of what happened last night. Cause, cause we love Lorraine now. We want to be with her and talk to her. I, I guess in that way, yeah, they they put a pretty fine point on it, but for, rightly so because I mean, like the, the the audience is is along for this. I want to Heather swing dance with Heather Graham too. I mean, it's naturally, fine, of course, but, naturally, yes. But yeah, so she calls and catches him off guard, kind of. He's like, "Oh my god, why haven't you called?" And and kind of get, gets into it, and she wants to rekindle their relationship because he had said earlier he might be going back to New, New York and shit. Which I guess she heard through the grapevine somehow. Yeah. That he, so she calls him. He seems like he wants to do this at first. And then he gets a second, you know, two phone lines. He gets another call and he's like, let me get rid of this call. So he clicks over and it's Lorraine who has called him. And immediately he flips his tune and he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. I'm just on another line. No, let me let me get rid of it. I'll talk. I want to talk to you. Which is great because just two seconds ago, he was about to go back to New York. And is he just that much of a doormat that he was going to like... I guess. You know. But because he was reminded of Lorraine, 
from her calling him. Now he's he snapped out of it. He's like, oh, that's right. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to go back. But if Lorraine and so if Lorraine hadn't called him in that moment, would he have moved back to New York to be with Michelle? I think he might have. Okay. I think he might have. Yeah. Because everything he was saying to her sounded like he was open to it. Right. And I mean, he he did just, I mean, like... He just met her. Right. They didn't even kiss or anything. No. It was... They exchanged Maybe, maybe he'll think that. he's got this comfort coming back into his life now that he's comfortable with Michelle. You know, they've been together for six yeah. years. Yeah. And he doesn't know what's going to happen with Lorraine. He's going to fuck it up again because that's what he does. Right. You know, right. that's probably what he's thinking. It would be the easier... Th- the easier It's easier and be, safer. Yeah. 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 Right. But no, he gets rid of Michelle. He's like, I'll call you back. <laughs> and uh his tone completely shifts from after before and after Lorraine called. Like now he's like not interested in talking to her, to Michelle. And like the the way the phone conversation ends, she says, I love you and yeah. he hits the click yeah. before she can say I love you. Can't even finish it before he clicks off. Oh. I it's, love that cut I know. off. It, it is it is really like it signifies exactly like he's yeah. done. He's moving on. He's moved on. Right. And I do like that about it because like it's it definitely completes his arc. And when Heather Graham starts talking to him about like this, uh, the, this thing that she wants to go to him with, um, yeah. she's really it's like awkward. Sinatra night or yeah, something. Yeah. And, and she's kind of nervous about it, but she called him the day after they met. Yeah. And she just like broke with tradition and said, I like this guy. And yeah. I'm, and she was saying her friend said two days and all this shit. And it's exactly what he's been going through. Right. And it's, and it's great. <laughs> the, the, the camera starts to move in on John Favreau and he's, he's got like this great, like, it's not, I was going to call it a smirk, but it's not a smirk because yeah. that would imply that he's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, his face is like a roadmap of, wow, yeah. this is, this is great. I'm in a new relationship and yeah. man, is she awesome. You know? Yeah. He's happy. Yeah. And you can see like a roadmap's a great way to put it. You see what he's been through and how he's gotten here. Right. All in his face. Right. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And he's at a diner now with Trent, like to seriously bookend the movie, d- start with a diner, end with a diner. Yeah. And Trent's talking to him about it. And he's like, well, well, did you call her back? He goes, no, I didn't call her back. He's like, you didn't call her back. You've been talking about this woman for six months straight and you didn't call her back. He's like, but it didn't occur to me. Didn't occur to you. <laughs> and uh, Trent is impressed. Like, yeah, okay, he's moved on. This is great. And he ruins the moment because John Farrow's about to really, he's going to reveal the whole point and the message of the movie, yes. you know. <laughs> and in a really smart scripting of the movie, like, <laughs> he doesn't get to say anything. Right. Because we don't need it as an audience. We don't need this fucking shit poured on us. We no. know what happened. Yeah, and we don't need him to tell us the meaning of life. Yes. Trent cuts him off because some beautiful baby across the corner <laughs> is giving him eyeballs. He's like, no, wait, hold on, Mike. I'm picking up some vibes here. <laughs> he goes back into his routine of, uh, you know, being an asshole, basically. And he's and she's like like doing this kind of uh, stuff with where she is like pointing at him and and like making kissy waving, faces, making waving. babies noise. Yeah. yeah, and he's doing it back. He's tearing up his napkin. He's like making all these other gestures toward her. He's saying shit that's stupid. Oh, you want to play baby games? Oh, you, you don't, don't know play, me. You don't know me. You don't know my address. Yeah. <laughs> um. Then the big reveal happens. She yeah. gets up from the booth, walks over to the other side of it, and pulls a baby out of a little Bjorn. Yeah. And. <laughs> And Trent goes, oh, fuck. And <laughs> yeah. slumps back down. Yeah. He, he like, shrinks into the seat. <laughs> uh, 
which you have never seen him do before. No, it's the only He's time, recoiling. I mean, like, to yeah. watch Trent be embarrassed <laughs> is, like, so out of place, you know. It's so perfect, though. It is. It's good. And and she walks by with the baby and the two of them. It's it's the heat shot, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and right. Mike couldn't be happier. Yes. He's like, this is what I've been saying. He finds it hilarious. Like, it's so amusing to him. And, and he's just Your like... Your bullshit exactly. has finally caught up with you. Yes. yes. Thank God. The, the, I mean... <laughs> It's it's a real triumphant moment for for Mike and the audience, you know, watching Trent get his. And then Trent tries to kind of like get back into the. He's like, of all course. right, so to like just let's forget about what happened. He's like, so um, <laughs> so you called her back. Oh, you didn't call her back. Like Mike, hey Mike, you didn't Mike, and that like cuts the black in the music. The yes. credits. Oh, so funny, man. It, it's good. I yeah. My my only issue. Is that like the movie literally could have ended with the zoom in on Mike's face while Lorraine? Yes, talking it to could him, have. You know, it definitely could have. I do like the ending because it because yeah. it is a funny scene and it's great to watch Vince Vaughn be embarrassed. Yeah. Um. But like, yeah, I it my, my only issue is that like it did you know kind of felt tacked on a little bit. It did. Thankfully, the movie's not too long anyway. That's true. Like, so right. it it it's fine and it's funny enough and it makes a good point. Yes, and it does. It's great character moment, and, and yeah, you brought up that that great moment of Mikey begins to like reveal all the secrets of his yeah, you know, right, such yeah. and such, and He's he gets the, cut off. The meaning of life, yes. like you said, yeah. <laughs> he cuts him off to flirt with his beautiful baby that backfires. <laughs> right, I love it. It's very very good. Um, yeah, dude, that's the end of the movie. Yep. Um, did we skip anything you wanted to talk about? Because there's so much gold in this movie. I love it. So there is something at the very beginning of the movie. Um, it's when it's after the scene that opens with Rob and Mike in the diner. Uh-huh. Mike comes home and checks his messages. The answering machine. The answering oh, machine. God, yes. Um, it's the only time it happens in the movie yeah. where the answering machine talks back to Mikey. Yeah. Um, it, you have four new messages. Beep. And then, like after Mike listens to the messages, he picks up the phone and the the answering machine with the red light blinking yeah. starts to say stuff like "You are a good man." You know, you're so money. You but, don't deserve her. Yeah, and that, exactly. It's yes. the Stephen Hawkins voice. You know, like <laughs> she doesn't deserve you. <laughs> and then he picks up the phone because he's gonna call Trent back. Uh-huh. And he's like, "Are you calling her?" <laughs> Yes. He's like, no. He's like, well, you got it. And he's like, no. Like the the answer machine keeps going. Like, right. And it it's like his friends. Like It's like Trent be like, dude, what are you doing? Are you calling her? Yes. The, the answer machine at that point is like, are you calling her? It's chastising like, It's him. so good. And it's like you said, it's the only time that happens in the movie. Right. I think it does a great job kind of setting up the tone of the movie too. It doesn't really do that anymore, but... It tells you this is going to be a funny movie. Yeah, it's it's a bit of screwball comedy yeah. in an otherwise like kind of grounded reality. Yeah. And the funniest independent cinema moment of it is after that thing that, that happens and like after the last thing the, the answering machine says, yeah. they cut to Michael on the phone and the answering machine it's is gone. It's not there. It's not there. It's not in the shot anymore. I wonder if it's got to be a continuity thing, it I'm definitely sure. It is a fuck up. Or there was you know? a scene where he like threw it or broke it i don't know yeah it could have been i didn't see that but yeah it's it's a huge continuity error (laughs) that is unavoidable you cannot miss it i know because the answer machine is a character in the scene with him one second before and it's weird because like i know exactly exactly and 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 it's and it's establishing that this this might be in this movie and then it just doesn't come back yeah um but then i noticed it on my first viewing 
Like yeah. the first time I ever saw it, I I because I was so taken aback by that talking answering machine. Yeah. That I happened to notice that like I don't notice. If I'm watching Spartacus and one of the soldiers is wearing a wristwatch, I don't notice it on first view. Right, yeah. You know, but this one, I was just like, holy crap, look at that. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing was, I the, the the other moment was like Trent and Sue, when they're in the, when they're in the Dresden, uh, when they're vibing those two girls, to what Trent says, it just, it, it disgusts me so much. It looks like somebody got out of school early. Oh man. my God, yeah. Fuck off, dude. I, I can't stand that line. But oh, either was, yeah. And, all good. And going back to the, the when he calls Trent after the answering machine thing, like I love how real this is. He's in his apartment walking around on the phone because he doesn't know what to do with himself. Yeah, I do yeah. that. I'll pace around my house while I'm on the phone because I, I don't want to just sit there. I don't, he's walking around. He's looking in the fridge. He he leaves, goes to the other room, goes back to the fridge. Like, that is so <laughs> real. I, know, I love it. I know. Yeah. And that's the whole movie has that feel to uh-huh. it, man. <laughs> it's excellent. Yes. All right. So, Dave, would you recommend it? Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen Swingers, please uh, please check it out. Um, this is one of like kind of it's kind of one of the essentials of of just independent movies from the '90s, and I think you'll have a good time. Yeah, I agree. It's up there with all Tarantino stuff, Kevin yeah. Smith. You know, all the usual suspects from '90s independent cinema. Like, right. This is up there for sure. I love it. I give it five stars. Cool. Like I said, I've seen it dozens and dozens of times. And yes. It's one of my favorite comfort movies out there it is a four-star movie for me all right that wraps things up if you like what you heard please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast rate it review it and most of all share it it gets more dudes listening to the dudes you can also go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there yes yeah, and we're on facebook twitter and instagram look for dudes on movies and our email address is dudes at gmail.com that's right and dave we have a question of the week what is the question of the week what is the least annoying vince vaughn performance <laughs> yes Call in to the voicemail, 628-400-DUDE, 628-400-3833. And stay tuned next week when we do 1984's Amadeus, the director's cut, directed by Milos Forman and starring Tom Hulse and F. Murray Abraham. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. Next time.